Let us pray. Father, take your own word now and use it for your glory. Do with it what you deem to be fit. Father, we know your word will not return unto you void. Help me to rightly divide the word of truth. And help me, Lord, Lord, to preach this word in humility, but with the power and the unction, the anointing of the Spirit. Glorify your Son in all things. And hide the preacher behind the cross. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? And this is a song of degrees, you'll maybe see it at the top of the psalm. Song of degrees were sang as the priests would ascend up toward the temple. And so they would start singing one after the other as they ascended toward the temple. There would be a sacrifice the sacrifice, the blood, and of course the temple. And there their atonement was made that Israel would be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Notice here, they're recognizing their sin. The first step to any of us being saved is to recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior than and that Christ alone is the only Savior. And that he is the Lamb of God. That taketh away the sin of the world. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities. O Lord, who shall stand, says the psalmist. The word here, Lord, in verse 3, to start with, is the word Yah, as in Yahweh. Or Yahovah, Yehovah. And here it is a shortened version as they sing. And then the second Lord in verse 3. O Lord who shall stand is not Yah but Adonai. Adonai. The word dawn in the middle it gives the idea of a judge. For example Dan of the tribe of Dan. The, the head of the tribe of Dan it means judge. Dan shall be a judge, was the prophetic word over him. D-A-N. D-O-N in Adonai, you see there's no vowels in the Hebrew. So D-O-N, D-A-N, D-U-N. Dan, Don, or Don can mean the same thing in the Hebrew uh, letters because... There is no vowels, no A, E, I, O, or U. So here, to fill in for our own understanding and our own language. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord Adonai, who shall stand? You're the judge. You're Yahweh. We will stand before you. And who is able to stand. Who is able to stand in their sin. Who is able to stand in their iniquities. And able to stand in their depravity. If thou, O Lord, should mark the iniquities. O Lord, who shall stand. Verse 4 brings hope. 
Verse 4 gives life. But there is forgiveness with thee, that I mayest be feared. Forgiveness can only be found at the cross. Forgiveness of sin can only be found through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness can only be found through the blood of the Lamb, here typified in the Psalms. The type of Christ, the type of Christ who will die on the cross is the Lamb that was slain. And here he says there's forgiveness with God through the blood of the Lamb. God is our great judge. God has appointed a day in which he will judge all men by that man, the man Christ Jesus. And so he is Yah or Yahweh. He is also the Lamb of God. And of course through his blood, his precious blood, there's forgiveness for our iniquities and for our sins. The word here, iniquity, is in verse 4. Pardon me, verse 3. And the word iniquity is also in the last verse of the psalm, verse 8. Verse 8 says, He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. The word here, iniquities, in verse 3 and in verse 8 of Psalm 130 is the exact same word. It's the word avon. And avon means moral evil in the nation. Moral evil in the land. The perversity that's given out through Israel. The perversity in which Israel were under living in. And the depravity of their human nature to live and to be happy in that perversity. That's what the word iniquities means here. So let us read it. Thou, Yah, Lord, shouldest mark our moral evil, our perversity in which our nation is living in, in which Israel is living in, in which men and women are living in, in which the United Kingdom and Ulster is living in. Ireland, we could say it of the United States, and in Canada, we could go on and on. The perversity and the evil morals of the human depravity of our nature. Hence, they're singing this. Israel walking up to the temple, bringing up their lamb sacrifice to show the blood to the Lord. That the judge of all the earth, that the judge, the Adonai, that he would accept the blood that was shed. But there is forgiveness with thee. What is Ulster's hope tonight? What is the hope of our United Kingdom? What is the hope? Is it a political party? Is it a prime minister? What is our hope? Our hope isn't even in Her Majesty the Queen. Our hope is only in the Lord and in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether 
it be from Dundee to Dublin in the south of Ireland, from John O'Groats to Land's End on the mainland, or London to London Derry. Our only hope in this night, in this hour, in these days in which we live, is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the men and the women who are living and coming under the perversity of moral evil, the laws in our nation, and men and women love to have it so, and so they're happy to go along as long as their life is undisturbed. But they will find that one day they will stand before God. Friend, one day you will stand before God. You'll stand before Him. And you'll stand either as Him as your Savior or as your judge. And so the psalmist says, Psalm 130 and verse 3, If thy Lord shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? In other words, who is able? Who has the morality? Who has the righteousness to stand by ourselves in front and before the judge of all the earth, a holy God. The answer is, there is none righteous, no, not one of us. On our own morals, in our own strength, there's not one man nor woman of Adam would be able to stand before the holiness of God. I think we think, even as Christians, I think we think, even as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, even as the blood-washed throng, I think we think when we realize the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst, and I think that we think even when there's a tangible sense of God in the midst, I think we think we know His glory, but really we haven't even touched as it were, the hem of his garment, for none of us can stand in the holiness of a holy God. None of us would be able to stand, even as believers. We think we know what holiness and purity and truth, absolute truth, is really like. We think we know what the glory is like we think we know, and we think we'll be okay. Should Christ come, I can tell you, it's not going to be some sort of spiritual picnic, but rather the skies will roll back like a scroll, and the Lord shall descend with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, there will be a frightening sound throughout all the heavens and the earth. And I will even say, but for the touch of the Lord and for the quickening of the Holy Spirit to change our vile bodies to be like unto his own glorious body, not one of us would be able to stand in his glorious body.
majesty and presence. Oh, I wonder, friend, where you would stand as a sinner if the righteous scarcely be saved, Peter tells us. Where shall the ungodly appear? If those of us who are trying to live our lives according to the word of God, who have been to Calvary's tree by faith, trusting in the blood of the Lamb, trusting in the blood of Christ alone, if those of us who by faith imputed are believing solely, only, uniquely, totally and unreservedly on Christ and on Christ alone, if we would scarcely be saved, then where, my friend, would you appear if you're still in your sin and you're ungodly? Where would you appear? How would you stand on that day? How would you stand on that day? This message I'm preaching tonight. I was driving over here to the morning meeting. I was all my own in the car. And Alison follows me later in hers. Because I like to be over really early. I'm driving over and I started talking to the Lord in the car. And I realized and speaking about, Oh, your holiness. His holiness. Not my holiness. Not a papal holiness. His holiness. His majesty. His glory. And all he told me, the very scripture he read, in Psalm 130 and verse 3, came to me like an arrow shot through my heart. If I, Lord... Shoot us, mark iniquities. O Lord, who shall stand? Pierced me deep. Pierced me deep. Driving here this morning. And I thought, Lord, I must tell the people tonight. I must warn some souls tonight. Where would you stand on that day? How? Do you think or expect to stand on that day? Notice, we'll stand before the Lord. And the second word, Lord, in verse 3 is the judge. The supreme over all the earth and the universe. Here we will stand before him in all of his holiness. But there is forgiveness with thee that I must be feared. Oh, I thought it was tremendous. Driving over, my heart was pierced. Oh God, I know nothing of you. I know nothing of his holiness. I thought I did. I thought I could tell you about it and recognize it and speak of it. But oh, winging his word to me this morning in the car. You know nothing and see nothing of my holiness. The moral evil, the perversity of 
our governments and the laws that have been passed in our land. Just feed the flesh and the carnal, depraved heart of men and women. The Lord says, my people love to have it so. Even the church, even the church universal, many of them, they also would live on godliness. They also would want to take on these wicked ideologies of our government and of the elitists and of those who want to take communistic control godless atheism in our nation vile men and women and yet the churches themselves even facilitate their devilish plans because the perversity and the depravity of the human heart is willing to accept it. Look at Psalm 130, please. In verse 7, Let Israel hope in the Lord. That's our only hope. That's our nation's only hope. That's Ulster's only hope. Ireland's only hope. Scotland, England, and Wales. Let Israel hope in the Lord. The word Lord changes again. It's the full title of Yehovah or Yahweh. That our only hope is in the Lord our God. And this is the redemption name of God. When God would come in redeeming power. And deliver Israel through the Red Sea. And deliver them on dry shod through the side walls of water. Comes in redemptive name of Yahweh. When he comes, they give them bread and as manna in the wilderness. Water out of a flinty rock. When he comes to defeat their enemies. When he comes to take their enemies and he wipes them away from the path of his people. Let Israel hope in the Lord. Oh, let Ulster hope in the Lord. Let us hope in the Lord in a personal manner, in a personal sense. Let us their hope in the Lord or God. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. For with the Lord there is mercy. The word mercy is kesed. And it means with the Lord. There's goodness, there's kindness, and there's faithfulness. I can tell you, friends, the people turned to the Lord. The people of this land turned to the Lord. He would heal our land. Disease would be lifted, I believe it. There'd be plenty. Britain would be great again. The Lord is merciful. 
The Lord is full of goodness. He is goodness. He's kind. He's generous. He's faithful. Notice that Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is plenteous redemption. Plenteous redemption. See the word there, plenteous. It's strange here, along with redemption, because this word, plenteous, gives the idea to multiply. Our God isn't a stingy God. Our God isn't a stingy God. It means to multiply, to grow in multitude, to make something big and great. You want to put the great back into Britain? Turn to the Lord with all thine heart. It means that the Lord would multiply the redemption in the land. Redeem us from our enemies. Redeem us from our foes. Redeem us from every Jesuit plot of our European Union. Notice here, he is plenteous. He will multiply redemption. The word redemption, by the way, is the word peduth. And it's strange because it means to ransom, to buy back. But it also gives the idea to make a distinction. In other words, God will make great again through his redemption those that are under the blood. He makes a distinction between those who are saved and those who are lost. Those who are his in Christ. Those who are his under the blood of Christ. Trusting in Christ. A great distinction between those that are his and those who are not. And people think everybody's his. He takes the beggar from the dunghill. Plenteous redemption takes the beggars from the dunghill to set them among princes that they might inherit the throne of his glory. The deep-dyed sinner, deep-dyed sinner, the iniquitous man and woman, the religious man and woman who's trusting in their religion, he takes the iniquitous man even in his perverty, perversity in his depravity, he takes the vilest sinner and he sets the captive free. He forgives them. He's good to them. And he's kind to them. And he's generous to them. He's merciful. And he's faithful. Here the word paduth means to make a distinction, a difference. The Lord said to Israel, and he said through Moses, he said of Egypt and Israel, he says, it says, for the Lord made a difference. Israel, man elect, 
Bring them out from Egypt through the blood. Made a distinction, a mark on them. The blood was the mark. But in Psalm 130 and 3, there are many has the mark of iniquity. God makes a distinction between them and the Egyptians, he says. Here, the God who will multiply redemption will make a great distinction of those who are his. When they stand before him and there are those whose iniquities have marked them out. Are you saved tonight, friend? Ah, there's a Holy Ghost hush tonight. For the Spirit of the Lord is working in hearts. Lord, if I should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Where would you stand tonight? There's plenteous redemption with him for you tonight if you come. If you come and repent of your sin and surrender yourself on the Christ, throw yourself in his mercy. Verse 8 says, he shall redeem. Redemption in verse 7. Redeem in verse 8. Paduth is in verse 7. Pada is different in verse 8. It means he will take you. And it means to ransom you. To pay your debt of sin. He paid it at the cross. It also means to deliver you. You might be under the bondage of addiction. Alcohol addiction, drug addiction, sex addiction, gambling addiction, pornography addiction, whatever it might be, you might be under an addiction, but Christ can set you free. Deliver you from it. Listen, when the Holy Ghost comes in, the devil goes out. It means here, he shall redeem Israel from all his Moral perversity and evil. Even from our depraved human nature. He will set you free. And it means to take someone in bondage. Of their sin and let them go. Let you go into freedom. In his name. So how would you stand? You know Moses. Asked the Lord to show me your glory. And the Lord said, and I'm paraphrasing for time, no man can see my glory and live. In other words, you cannot stand in my presence. He put him in, says, but there is a place beside me. I think that's beautiful. But there is a place beside me. Oh, can you hear Christ say at the foot of the cross, there's still a place beside me. Puts him in the cleft of the rock and he covers him with his hands and he sees, as it were, the back parts, the, the part of God's glory moving away. Moses, the man of the law, couldn't stand in the presence, the glory of God. How do you expect to? How do you expect to? I think of Isaiah chapter 6. 
He sees the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. Above us stood the seraphims. One seraphim is crying unto the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And seeing this great sight and hearing the very voice of God, the doorposts of heaven, as it were, shake. They start to thunder out. And listen to what he says. Woe is me, says the prophet, prophet of God, a priest in Israel. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king. Isaiah couldn't stand in his glory. Ezekiel said when he saw the Lord, the great vision, he says, I fell on my face. His legs wouldn't hold him. His flesh, as it were, strength would dissolve from him. Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. Says when he's seen the glorious vision of heaven and the glory. Listen to what he says. He says, When I seen it, I retained no strength. My comeliness turned in me into corruption. In other words, Daniel, who prayed three times a day toward Jerusalem, Daniel, who took his stand in the face of evil, the face of tyranny. In the glory of God, even Daniel couldn't stand. And everything he thought that was good in him turned into corruption in the holiness of God. Daniel collapses under the glory of the Lord in vision. Even Peter, when Christ done the great miracle, fell at his knees. Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Veiled in flesh, even Peter couldn't stand the power of God veiled in flesh. The curtain, as it were, was slightly, quickly, and minutely pulled back when the miracle came forth and Peter fell. Oh, I'm unworthy of you. Revelation chapter 1, John saw the risen Christ, the glorified Christ, and vision caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He says, when I saw him, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And this is John who leant at his breast at supper and heard the heartbeat of God. This is John who was at the cross. And Jesus says, Behold your mother and woman, behold your son. Now he sees him, not as just a man, but resurrected and glorified. The Adonai, the Lord God, Jehovah, Jesus. And I fell, he says, at his feet as dead. How would you stand on that day? 
Revelation 20. I'll read this in closing. Revelation chapter 20. This is the chapter of the great white throne judgment where the dead are raised and stand before God. Revelation 20. Let your eye run down. If you're following your, the Bible. In verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great. Notice. Stand before God. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and the hell, or the grave, gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell, or death and the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. There are people, there are men and women, who have been born twice, and will die once, should Jesus tarry. Born twice, and they'll die once, should Jesus tarry. Born of the flesh, from their parents, Born again of the Spirit of God. The second birth. And they'll die once should Jesus tarry. And then there are those. Who have been born and will die twice. They've been born once but they'll die twice. Should Jesus tarry. They were born of the flesh of their parents. They were never born again. And they'll die in the flesh. They'll go to the grave. Should Jesus tarry. But they will be resurrected for the second death. Here we find. Verse 14 Revelation 20. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life. Was cast into the lake of fire. How will you stand in that day? How will you stand in that day? But thou, Lord, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Said the psalmist. Get saved tonight if you're not saved. Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. I'm going to be down here. There's some cones here. If you're coming this way, drive around and see me if you're not saved. I'll point you to the Savior. If you're way over that side trying to get over, the boys will show you across the way. You park in the car, park peace. Don't leave here tonight, friend, without getting yourself right with God. How will you stand on that day? How will you stand? May God bless you tonight. Thank you for your attendance tonight.